ready ready to roll. So I'm excited. All right, before we go live, right. real quick here. Well, we're going to get started right away then. Okay, never mind, never mind. Go for it. Never mind. I'll ask All you. right. <laughs> we'll get right into it. We are back on another Wisco Fanatics Wednesday. We're very excited. We have another awesome guest with us today. We have Cole LaCrue with us, um, 2023 Badgers commit. Um, got a whole bunch of questions to ask for you, so we're really excited to have you here with us and appreciate you taking the time to join us. Um, so how you doing? Welcome to the show. <laughs> Thanks for having me. And uh, uh, today, today's been a great day. It's uh, officially became a Badger Day. Signed, signing day was today. So, uh, man, it's a, it's been a, it's been a lifelong dream of mine to to play college football and to be a Badger. It's it's something special. Yes, sir. That's awesome. So I saw that you were you were visiting the Broncos this past weekend. How was that? Uh, it was good. They uh, they honored us. Um, we won state uh, about two weeks ago. Two weeks ago on the third, and. Um, you know, it, it was cool. Uh, I've been a lifelong Broncos fan my entire life. That's the team that I was raised on. But you know, we've had a couple down years. So just to see us get a get a win over a, a poor Cardinals team was uh, it was good. Must ride. Who's your favorite? Uh, no, I don't want to hear oh, that. Bro. I don't want to hear that as a Broncos fan. Oh, <laughs> I had to. Man. <laughs> that's fair. That's one hundred percent fair. Um. All right. So. I see your swag on the field, man, and I appreciate it. I'm very excited for that to be in uh, this red pretty soon here. But with that being said, from your junior year to your senior year, you took control. Where does that leadership come from? It comes from my parents, man. It comes from the the way they brought me up as a kid. You know, um, my parents got divorced when I was seven years old, and it kind of had me um, grow up earlier than most kids had to. And I've always had it in me. Um, You know, I've always prioritized myself for being a leader. And so, you know, it just, it comes down to being, an old, I, I think at the end of the day, a leader is really like, just like an older brother, you know, they, they have to guide everyone and they're going to show them the way. And so, you know, being the oldest of three, you know, it definitely has always been there in me. And so for me to take initiative for my junior senior year, it just shows all my character work and all my leadership skills that have been with me since both my brothers have been born. Perfect. Yeah, it was a great. Um, it's great that you said that actually, because I actually want to go back to you know your state championship run. You know, it was a heck of a walk off, and um, afterwards you, you mentioned that you know you were quoted saying this one is for pops. You know, going to that, like, what is your dad's impact on you, like on the field, and to go off off of that, like, what is something that you know he taught you, maybe that will always stick or resonate with you on the field or in life in general, I guess. Yeah, so uh, with my dad, he he was my first ever coach, man. Uh, he he is the he's the reason I am the player I am today. Um, I honor all my success to him, and um, with him, man, it was from the moment I was born. You know, we would watch Broncos games, we would watch film when I was even younger. I remember he'd bring a little camera and he'd be like, "All right, this is what you messed up here. This is what you got to do then." And so I just remember from a young age, he taught me all my football intellect. And uh, so I think that advanced my like skill set from a young age because I felt like I was always IQ wise better than most kids on the field. And uh, you know, he, he watched my sophomore year. Um, I, I transferred to a new school my sophomore year, and he was there to watch me play my first game. And I remember I, he I, I didn't start my first game. I was uh, me and this junior were rotating. Well, not for long. Um, yeah. No. But um, he went in for two drives, and my dad. I remember my dad seeing I was pissed. He goes. 
calm down. You're going to get your opportunity. You're going to make the most of it. And I had four touchdowns. And as a sophomore, I think we won 28 to 14 against our rival off the bench. So it was nice. definitely awesome. And um, so I think it's just the, the calm and the knowing that he's always going to be there with me. Um, you know, I think that's something that I always take care of with me, you know, because I, I know when I make a mistake, I could hear him in his head calling me, you know, what are you doing? Why would you make that throw? You know, come on, let's move forward. Uh, you know, like, uh, I, like a bright memory of him is uh, in seventh grade, I broke my wrist, like completely snapped it. And uh, I remember we put it in an ice bucket and taped up my whole hand into a little club. And uh, this is my right hand, so I can't do much without it. And he said, just get out there and play defense. And so it was just that kind of mentality that I've kept with me from that point on where, you know, I just have to be tougher than everyone else, man. And I, no matter how injured or how hurt I am, you know, if I'm the leader, if I'm the guy of the team, I'm not coming out of the game. Perfect. That was a great answer. Gritty, very gritty, I feel like, too. Yeah, it's, uh, it's part of the business, man. Part of playing the quarterback position. That's awesome. So, like, yeah. Yes, sir. So I watched some of your other interviews, and we, like with our show, we prioritize optimism and positivity because we want to potentially help the mental health of, of our fans and fans of the, the same fan bases that we're a part of. So we wanted to ask, like, how do you protect slash take care of your mental health to help maintain your confidence? You know, at the end of the day, in, in my eyes, um, mental health is a huge part of any person's confidence. And uh, for me, it's always remembering that you got to remember what your self-worth is. You know, you can't listen to the critics. You can't listen to what everyone's saying about you. Oh, he didn't make this play. Oh, he's not that good. Oh, he's too short. All that. And at the end of the day, you got to realize what your self-worth is. And for me, I went through a big um, mental cycle um you know, this past year in baseball, because I had a, I, I had a bit, pretty big slump and I was seeing a sports psychiatrist. And I just remember him telling me, he's like, hey, at the end of the day, you got to realize there's only one cold crew and you're that guy. And you got to be that guy for, you know, you just got to trust yourself. And ever since then, you know, I don't let pressure get to me. Um, I said, okay, I threw a mistake. All right, that's cool. I'm going to go drive and score a touchdown this next one. Or in baseball, it's like, okay, I just lined out. Let's go make a line drive and let's go right on base and score our guys a run. So, you know, I've always been a team oriented guy. And um, just the, the mental part of the game, um, I'm glad that it's people are shining bright on it because I don't think us as players get enough credit for what we have to deal with. Um, you know, there's a lot of critics out there that are very disrespectful and a lot of comments that they say, but, you know, it's part of the business. And so I'm, I'm glad that the light's being shined bright right now. Man, you're a, you're a very fascinating kid. I'm learning out very quickly here. Um I just wanted to know, you know, because I'm going to have to know in, in a couple of years with my stepson, who's a very athletic kid, and I'm going to have to know what to expect in the recruiting process. So can you tell me what that was like? Yeah, I, I think mine's been rather unique than a lot of other guys. Um, so it's, it dates back to my sophomore year. I thought I had an okay sophomore year. You know, it was my first real year playing quarterback position only. I've only been playing quarterback since my freshman year. And um, – so started then, uh, I got reached out from Cal and Cincinnati. Um, and then I just kind of, kind of talked to them for a little bit, not much. Um, and then I did a couple camps, talked to CU and CSU for a long time. And then junior year, you, you know, it, it sucks when you have a team that's not good. We were five and six 
And, um, you know, even though I put up good numbers, I, I until this year, until my senior season, I broke every school record for senior se- or single season stats. And so for me, you know, not much after that either, because I only had Central Michigan was the only FBS I had. And I had two FCS schools, uh, Northern Colorado and South Dakota. But I knew what I was and I knew I was a power five quarterback. So I kind of bet on myself. You know, I, I, I Central Michigan gave me like an ultimatum. They're like, hey, we, you're either going to commit or we're going to go get another guy. I said, go get another guy because I'm about to go bigger than you. And um, so obviously I bet on myself. And, and to be honest, I was scared during I, I, there's always pressure throughout the season, but I always play better with pressure. And then uh, Colorado offered me. Um, and then it was like one, two, three, um, you know, Colorado offered on a Thursday, Tulane offered on a Saturday and Wisconsin offered on a Monday. Um, but with Wisconsin, they, early, early in the season, I was talking to them since August, like, Hey, you got a lot of stuff to work on. We want to see improvement. Cause we think you have the trajectory to be our quarterback. I go, sounds good. I'll show you what I can do. Then. And I just went out and played my game. And, uh, once Wisconsin offered me on Halloween, I was sitting there, I was, I was like, I told you so. I told you I'd be a quarterback. And then I uh, committed them on a, the following Monday uh, in honor of my dad. And um, so, yeah, but that, that was the recruiting process. And for kids that I'd say the best thing to do is to call offices and to, you know, they don't realize that that's probably the best way to get on the phone with their the office lady and um, kind of be like, hey, here's my information. I'd please love you to forward it. And, you know, that's kind of how I got on uh, the – the word on the mouth um, with everyone else because I would just call everyone in Twitter, email, everything. Bill loves that answer for sure. He said that's classic. Go get yeah. another guy because I'm going bigger than you. Bill loves it. <laughs> yes. Oh, my goodness. Um. So, yeah, to build off of that, you know, you're having a big senior year, and then all of a sudden you got some of the power fives coming in, obviously Tulane, uh, Colorado, and Wisconsin, of course. So, you know, at the end of the day, uh, why did you, it could be a list of things, I'm sure. Why did you end up, you know, choosing Wisconsin? And maybe on top of that, did the news of Deion Sanders getting the head coaching job at Colorado intrigue you at all whatsoever? Yeah. I um, saw the pile start up. I saw it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I, I, I saw. So what made me pick Wisconsin was when I went out there for the Washington State game. It's, it was so pretty. I didn't know much about Madison as a town. I didn't even realize the Capitals right on campus. And for me, that was huge. And it, it reminded me a lot about Boulder and a lot about Colorado because I was raised as a buff. My first ever song was uh, the Buffs fight song, except the explicit version. And um, <laughs> so for me, it was um, it just it made me feel at home. And um, and then especially experiencing Camp Randall and jump around. That's really what sealed the deal. And I was really like, OK, if I get this offer, I'm going to Wisconsin. And with the Dion news, um, yeah, there was definitely some thought because um, obviously we were going through a coaching change with Coach Fickle, and that had me worried a little bit for two for about right. two days because I didn't know what happened until they reached back out and said, "Hey, we want you to be a quarterback. We love your film. Uh, go win a state championship." But then in January you're going to come be our quarterback. I said, "Sounds good." Um, and uh, with with Dion, you know, it, there there was definitely some talk around it, um, but at the end of the day, I, I made my mind that Madison's the place for me. Good stuff. <laughs> said, Welcome to Wisconsin. Um, so you you did two different visits at Wisconsin. Like one was unofficial and one was official. Like what was um, what were your college visits like, and what was the difference between the two? 
Yeah, so my first one, um, it was an unofficial, and I was with my grandpa, which I love my grandpa. Um, just probably not the guy I would take with me to an, uh, a crew and visit again, um, just because he was he was tired and we didn't really know what to experience because, you know, I, I was new and he was new, so I didn't know the area. And so with him, we just kind of walked around and saw everything else. Um, the, the old coach staff, they gave me a tour of the facilities and uh, not a really big tour on the campus. And so my official, it was much more information, like it was much more information throughout. Um, I, I saw a lot of places, saw the place I'm uh, going to live at uh, next month. And uh, I learned more about the university because at the end of the day, you're a student athlete. And so I learned more about the program I'll be in. Uh, you know, I got accepted to their business program and um, it was just much better. Plus, I think Coach Longo, uh, the new OC, he fits my scheme a lot better. He fits the style quarterback that I am uh, much better than Coach Ingram. No offense to Coach Ingram. Um, just It's just what fits me better in my eyes. So at the end of the day, it all worked out. Um, but the official visit was definitely 100 times better. Man, you're, you're a smart kid, man. You got, got a good head on your shoulders, man. I could tell. Um, I'm just wondering, who is your host player? Ooh, I forget his name. Hold on, let me go look at it real fast. Hey, I'll go pick hey, it up. You're not getting go... for me. I forget names every day, man. <laughs> no, I do. I, Isaac Townsend. He's a, he's a kid that went to Roston Valley, and uh, he was uh, from Colorado. So um, cool. for us, uh, it, it, we just kind of hit it off, you know. And he, him and I, he took me. Um, you know, we I experienced the nightlife a little bit, and uh, just kind of hung out with the, the current players, and uh, so it was a good time. Perfect. All right. Perfect. Um, so I guess, you know, you're talking about the new coaching staff already with Coach Longo. I mean, what was your first impression of uh, Coach Fickle once you first got to meet him? Yeah, man, he's a – I'm excited that I, I stayed on board, and I'm excited that he's the guy that's going to lead us. You know, everyone I talk to says there's no other man that would have beat Jim Leonard except Coach Fickle. And uh, when I so when I hopped on the phone, I was, I was kind of skeptical. I'm like, there's no way, Coach. Like every time I talk to Coach Leonard, I, I got this great sense of a man. And uh, Coach Fickle just um, you could just hear it in his voice. And you could just hear it in his tone. You know, he's a guy that he's a player's coach, and he's a he's a family guy. He's a family oriented guy. But at the end of the day, he means business, and we're gonna go win it. We're gonna win some games. And with him, I just loved the leadership. And I loved the vision that he had, and I loved how he called it the new era. And so I I was actually pumped up when I heard him talk for the first time. I was like, okay. This dude's legit, and I'm I'm ready to go play for him. So um, there was no regret once I talked to Coach Fickle, and you guys are gonna love him next year when we go win some games. So we already do, we love man. him already. Yeah, we already do, man. <laughs> I'm fired up by hearing that. That's for sure. Yes, sir. <laughs> yeah. So you kind of touched on it already that you you get to see your living quarters for next month. So you're actually starting at Wisconsin early. So what are what are some of the things you're looking forward to about getting to school early? And then um, have you set any goals for yourself for, for spring practice? Yeah. Um, so, you know, things I'm looking forward to, my roommate's Jason. So I'm looking to get looking to forward to getting him know better. And uh, hopefully we get a, a relationship started between him and I that just lasts a long time and a little brotherhood with him. And uh, for myself, uh, some goals of mine, I want to come in and compete. I want to come in and shock the shock the Wisconsin fan base, shock the staff, shock the current players. Because, you know, when I'm coming in, I mean business, you know, and I got to go do what I have to do. You know, obviously, at the end of the day, Wisconsin's, you know, it's a it's a university and uh, it's a great football team. But I, I want to go leave my impact on the, on the school and on the brand. And um, so, obviously, I want to come in and just – kind of shock people and take them by surprise like holy shit who's 
My bad. I didn't mean to cut. Okay. Hey, hey, dude, dude, no, that's okay. Good. We're not censored. Be, be your yeah. natural self. Be your natural yeah. self. Be you. Yes. I won't tell your mom, I promise. <laughs> She'll see this later and laugh at me. But uh, So I, I just want to be the type of player, like, who is this kid and how did this kid fly under the radar? Because, uh, you know, I, I, I do think I'm heavily underrated. So that's something I'm looking forward to and just uh, getting to know the guys and show them my leadership skills and um, – hopefully put myself in a good spot to come start next, uh, next August. That's an awesome I answer. You, I love man. that answer. I got to tell you, man, you are a very competitive kid and you, you talked about how fickle is a player's coach. And that's definitely a kind of coach I'd want to play for. And you're definitely the kind of quarterback I'd want to block for if I was your offensive lineman, because I can just tell how much you care about team and you, you care about winning. And I love that. I do. I absolutely love every bit of that. So, you know, I know that you love team, but we're going to talk about you. I want, I want to know what your goals are for your first year in the program. Like, what, what is going to be Cola Crew year one? Definitely, I want to master the playbook, and I want to, you know, um, understand the way college football works and understand the life of a student athlete. Um, because I feel like, you know, high school to college is, a, it's very different. Um, you know, there's, there's no saying that because I feel like. You know, in college, you're going to school like three hours a day, but you're at the facility four hours a day. You know, and that's something I'm not used to because, you know, my whole life it's been I go to school for the entire day and then I go to practice for an hour and a half. And so, you know, it's definitely going to be a switch. Um, I definitely want to put on more muscle. I'll get more lean and fast. Um, I want to become a better athlete and just more explosive all around because I think if I gain that, I think that's just another tool in my package that I can bring to the table. And, um you know, I want to. I want to come out. I want to go out and I want to go play as a freshman. Hopefully, you know, I understand we have some guys ahead of me and we have some guys that are older than me. Um, but that's not going to shy. I'm not going to shy away from that. You know, I'm excited about it, and it's just going to make me better um, going against those guys. So it's definitely going to be exciting. And um, if I if I somehow don't win the job, you know, if I don't win it, um, you know, I'll I'll be, I'll be disappointed in myself. But at the end of the day, I'm not going to let that affect my attitude and let that affect how I am with the team, you know, I'm going to be the best teammate for everyone. And um, I'm going to be the best guy for whoever's gets, the, whoever's the starting quarterback. But, you know, I want to put myself in a good position where, you know, I'm the one succeeding. I'm the one celebrating the touchdowns. So That's if you, good. let me just kind of build off of that for a second. If you say, say you're the, say you're the number one backup, are you always going to have that mentality? Like a lot of backup quarterbacks have the, you know, I'm only one play away from being the starter. Is that still going to be your mindset? Yeah, I mean, yeah, obviously you have to. You can't go in there being, oh, I hope I don't play this game. I hope he doesn't get hurt. Oh, well, not that. I don't mean it like that. But I'm just saying, like, <laughs> oh, I hope, like, I don't have to go in. Um, but for me, it's like, okay, he won the job now, but who's what can happen in four weeks, you know? Yep. And uh, for me, I'm just always going to go out and compete and always go put my best foot down. That's good. I'm going to toss in a fan question real quick. Um, my friend Cody asked, which NFL player would you say you look up to the most? Uh, hmm. uh, you know, you know, this is a hard question because I, you know, in today's day and age, there's just so many quarterbacks that you know I really like following. Uh, so for me, you know, the one guy that I've always inspired, um, you know, I don't, I'm out of my play actor, but I, I love the way he is a human being. I love the way he has his quarterback position is paid man. You know, I've, I might be a little biased saying that because I'm a Broncos fan, um, but he is the reason I chose 18. He's the guy that I've watched since I was young. You know, every time he was on the Colts and he played the Broncos, I, you know, I'd be secretly being like, yes, that a boy, nice touchdown. Um, but, you know, Peyton, Peyton's just a guy that 
I love his character and I love his leadership and I love the time, the way he prepares himself for a game because you're never going to out prepare Peyton Manning. And that's the way I've always thought about myself. But in terms of like modeling my game and other stuff, you know, like I model my game off Jan- Johnny Manziel and John Elway, you know, kind of that gunslinger going to, you know, kind of make the off, off ground, off balance throws and kind of just take over a game with their playmaking abilities and never really be out of a game. You know, I'm a, I'm a guy that I love being the comeback kid. Perfect. Yeah. That was a great answer. Um, so we were, yeah, we were just talking about, you know, the whole topic, like being your goals and competition and all that jazz. How do you, you just in general, how do you feel about the competition in the quarterback room? Obviously, you know, you got Nick ever signing, but you know, and then you also obviously got Miles Burkett. You know, how do you feel about you know you know the camaraderie, the competition with with you three guys? You know, I think us three just with the competition, we're all going to get better. Um, it's it's going to push ourselves yeah. forward and to to put our best foot down. And um, you know, I think we'll see some. There definitely be some little rivalry, but at the end of the day, we're all going to be brothers because we want the we want the guy to succeed, whoever's at the starting position. And uh, I, I've watched both their tapes. They're they're great players, man. And Nick's a stud who who went to Oklahoma. I mean, shoot, when I was younger, I thought Oklahoma was a place because of Baker Mayfield. So I, that's yeah. definitely something I'll talk to him about. Um, and then Miles, Miles is the Wisconsin kid, so he knows more about the town and know more about the state than I do. So I'll definitely lean on his shoulder with that. And so you know, it, it's definitely going to be good to see us, one of us three, get playing time. You know. We're all, our, our room will be young next year, but I think we'll have one of the most talented rooms in the country. Oh, awesome. That's good I concur. <laughs> Your confidence is just – my God, it's infectious, man. <laughs> so you kind of touched on it already with, with Johnny Manziel. I wanted to ask you specifically about that. So, you know, if you say the words Johnny Manziel – might be a little bit of like a negative connotation to that because he came into the NFL and was kind of gone out of the NFL really quick. But what's what specifically is it about Johnny Manziel? And then what kind of separates it from that, you know, that that first thought where it might be like, oh, Johnny Manziel, I don't like that answer, but would be different. Well, people, for, well, people forget that in college, Johnny Manziel was the truth. He was him. I mean, Johnny Manziel and, yeah, moneymaker. You know, <laughs> with Johnny, he – uh I mean, he's he's a young kid. I remember people forget that he was a redshirt freshman when he started, or a true freshman. I forget. Um, but you know, he he led the Texas A&M, who was new to the SEC, and you know, he made them a winning program again and made them known in the SEC. And so, I, I that's the leadership and that's the moxie, and I just love the swagger that he brings. Man, he didn't care who you were; he was going to go out and play his game. And I just loved how. He didn't care who he was going against. He wouldn't let anyone change the way he plays and the way that anyone changed the way his heart is for the game. And uh, just the skills and skills that he had are, I think I have a lot of the similar skills, but uh, hopefully I want to be more improved than him as a passer and uh, just get even better than him as a runner. Man, um, when I heard, you know, you talk about Johnny Manziel, I loved Johnny Manziel at Texas A&M. I was one of the few people I was like, dude, this kid is special. He's making shit happen. His his ability to extend plays, like it's it's like no other in the country. You bring that aspect to a Wisconsin football team that's gonna play some goddamn defense. Oh, I tell you what, I'm smelling a national title, and I'm not even kidding. <laughs> so I I wanted to ask you a question about what you think about USC and UCLA coming to the Big Ten 
you know, and you you could talk more about USC if you want because they're kind of becoming a powerhouse again. Um, they almost made the playoffs this year, and now they're having a crazy recruiting class today. So, what are your thoughts on USC and UCLA joining the Big Ten? You know, it's definitely going to be good for me because it'll bring me back home a little bit, and uh, you know, kind of back to the West Coast. And it's exciting, man. Who who? Why why would we be scared about some competition? USC, you know, Lincoln Riley, one of the probably the best offensive coach in the the country um and then ucla you got chip kelly who coached the mariota and led an oregon team and ucla is back on the rise so there's definitely going to be competition with them but man it's it's going to be so much fun it's going to be great playing them and hopefully ending their seasons but you know it's going to be exciting it's going to be really exciting playing them and it's it's going to be super fun i'm glad that they joined yeah so what would you say, and maybe disregard Camp Randall here if you can, but what stadium are you most excited to play in? It's okay if you say the camp because you haven't played a game there yet. Oh, the, but uh, The shoe. What would you the say? shoe. Okay. Oh, boy. And you're going <laughs> to leave with a W. I know it. That's I what I'm it. saying. Yeah, there we go. The point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, it's uh, that that's some place that uh, my buddy, um, who I've known since I was born, practically, uh, he visited them this uh, this past year. Went to a game out there, and he says there's nothing like it. So I'm I'm just excited to go out there and shut him up. <laughs> oh, oh hell man. yeah! Where do I get a Cola Crew jersey? I'm already on board, man. <laughs> get so that NIL going. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I've seen you pretty active on Twitter. And, you know, a lot of guys that are getting offered at Wisconsin and guys that are, um, you know, that that are making their, you know, their final recruiting in Wisconsin and you know, they're picking up offers and stuff. Um, did you kind of take it upon yourself to, to kind of start helping with recruiting? Yeah, I mean, as, as the quarterback, I think you should always be the one that helps out with recruiting and should always be the one. So I was kind of laid back because I was, you know, more focused on my senior season with my guys and winning the state championship with them. Um, but once the season ended, I, I I took it upon myself to really be initiative and kind of be on these guys to, you know, commit and uh, tell them that, you you know, Wisconsin's a place. And uh, so, you know, I, I definitely think it is the quarterback's responsibility to help out and kind of rally, uh, you know, a, a group together. So, you know, it's um, it's 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 also fun because I, I was telling some of the guys I'm like a I'm like an intern with them. I'm like a recruiting intern is what I called myself. You know, and so I was, I was, I was also, I was like another guy to come up for a job uh, recruiting. Yeah. <laughs> um. So in a little bit here, we are going to be talking about the bowl game, and we were just wondering if you're going to the bowl. Game. Unfortunately, I'm not. Um. You know, I I got to stay with my family. I, I wish I was going. You know, it is close. It's in Arizona. You know, it'd be a fun mm-hmm. fun one to go to. Um. But for me, it's uh, I'm going to spend these last couple weeks with my family and my friends and. Kind of just take it all in because, you know, this will probably be the last time I live in Colorado because, um, you know, I, I love the state and everything. But for me, my dreams have always been to travel the country and just experience every life elsewhere. And then lead Wisconsin to the national title was added to the list. So I love that list. That's a great oh. list. No, that's going to be a good one. <laughs> Winning the shoe, national title. Okay, I'm all, I'm all on board with that. So with all that being said, is there any – Anything that you would like Badger fans to know about you, or is there anything that you'd like to say to Badger Nation? You know, going when you get to campus in, in January officially. Yeah. Um, well, first thing I want to say to 
bad fans is I'm definitely going to need some places to go eat um, and go tour about the city of Madison. Um, Cause you know, obviously I, I saw the state street and I saw everything on campus, but you know, me being an explorer, I want to, I want to go experience the best places in Madison to go eat and the best places to go eat in Wisconsin and kind of just tour and have fun. Um, but with the Badgers fans, the, the guy that they're getting, they're getting, they're getting a winner. They're getting a guy that's got some oxygen. They're getting some confidence in them. And, man, I'm going to play my game, and I hope everyone can be on board with it. You know, I, I might be not be the highest-ranked recruit that you guys have ever gotten, but I'm going to give you the most heart you guys have ever seen. And I'm going to lay it out there every game. You know, I always play with the mentality that this could be my last game average. So I'm just excited to let them see that for themselves. And, you know, hopefully I see a lot of recruiters in the stands. You know, hopefully you get some new black jerseys <laughs> too, which I think I think could be exciting. Yes, and, campaign um, for that. We will definitely sign that petition. We're, I, I, don't worry. I've, I've been on it. I've been on it for a little while now. But <laughs> and the black helmets, too. Um, we want to see the black helmets back. Yeah, oh, no. Yeah. we Just trust. Trust. And um, <laughs> we're so, – I'm, I'm, I'm excited for everyone just to see the top player I am because I know I'm special. So, it'll be good. All right, we have a guy who watches our show pretty pretty regularly, maybe our biggest fan of our show. Um, Taylor asks, what are your hobbies outside of football? Ooh, so, um, you know, I, I like to golf. Um, I wouldn't say I'm the best, but golfing is fun. Um, I'm a pretty good wakeboarder. Um, when I was younger, I don't do snowboarding anymore, but when I was younger, I thought I was going to be a professional snowboarder. I competed olympically when I was like seven to nine. And, uh, yeah, I know. I didn't believe it either until I forgot about it for a while. And, um, Colorado, I, I should have just guessed that that you were skiing or snowboarding. Yeah, um, but I, I love I love hanging, spending time with my family, and my friends, and uh, something that I, I I'm not too too proud of, but I, I really like to do it as I love to cook. You know, I, I like being my own chef. No, no, no. I mean, I get it. I, I just I, I don't like to publicly say that because I'm not like a Gordon Ramsay, I'm not anything special. But I, I think like cooking lets me be in my own space and allows me to do my thing. Um, and, uh, I, I love being outdoors. Anytime I can get outdoors, go for a hike and kind of just be out there, go for a run with my dogs and, uh, just kind of experience that. Look at the stars and look at the constellations, man. It's, it's definitely a fun time. You should definitely stick around in Wisconsin in the summer. Then that's when it's actually nice outside yeah. and, and fun to be outside. I'm, uh, I'm looking <laughs> you know forward what? to it, man. I, I can't We're wait to get in the lake. Summer. We're talking about summer and I got to ask you a question real quick. You said you like golf and you want to experience summer in Wisconsin. My dad actually has a golf outing in my hometown of Keele, Wisconsin. So if you wanted to, man, we could extend an invite and we just act like some fools, man. You'd fit right in with all of us hooligans just drinking, acting some fools. I'm not good at golf, so you'd beat me. But there is some hole prizes if you'd be willing. Yeah, you guys can have fun, you know, and I'll, I'll definitely come join. You know, you guys can have fun with the drinks. I'll just sit there with my water and just enjoy the time and kick you guys' in the ass. A great answer. Yeah. <laughs> That's usually over my birthday weekend, too. So that would be like, that'd be a sweet birthday present. Hang out with Cole, the crew, and get some terrible sunburn while they're drunk. I've only seen that happen several times. Several. Oh, God. It's it's a shit show, man. I won't lie to you. <laughs> oh man. Uh, All right. So I know this is a question that people from Wisconsin are gonna to want to know the answers to. How many times have you eaten at Culver's? Oh. Uh in my lifetime? Yeah. Probably like eight probably eight times. All right. That's a, that's that's okay. People gotta know. So that's, so that's he's familiar with it. That's I, I, I gotta sure. ask. I gotta ask. Why is why is Culver such like a popular place? Is it did it originate from Wisconsin? 
Yeah. Yep. So, yeah. Uh, Prairie Du Sac, Wisconsin, I want to say. I think the headquarters, which is like the southwest corner, but I'm pretty sure that's where it's headquartered in. So, but yeah, that would, yeah, it's headquartered in Wisco for sure. Listen, man, you're going to hear about Culver's cool. and you're going to hear about Quick Trip. Uh, Those are the two things you're going to hear about all the time. <laughs> I promise you. Yeah. <laughs> Quick Sounds Trip is good, the man. place I'm to be. forward to that then. Yeah. Tim's I mean, Culver's, you know, I don't, I don't mind wow. Culver's. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's it's solid, you know. I love their burgers. Um, I don't, I'm not a big fan of their fries, though. But uh, you know, I'll, we don't have one near me. We have one down south near uh, the Broncos facilities and stuff. So anytime I'm down there, though, I get a butter burger. It's the way to go. Um, it's just I I don't know what it is about Culver's. Like obviously the food is good, but I feel like it's kind of becoming like a Wisconsin stereotype that people are like, oh, you're from Wisconsin, like you go to Culver's, right? Like when people come to Wisconsin, they got to go to Culver's, like. I, I think it's pretty much equivalent to like the in and out like on the West Coast or like what's another one? I guess like Chick-fil-A down south. Not as near not nearly as many locations, but it's kind of like the same like category, I feel like if you go to like a certain area of the country. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. For me, I'm I'm a big Chipotle guy. So I, you know, I'm gonna try I'm trying mm. to work it work something out where I can get free Chipotle. Nice. Yep, fun. that's right on State Street for you. So you, you'll, uh, I know, you'll be good I there. Know. It was the first place I visited actually. When I, <laughs> I was just gonna say, he's like, I know, I've been there three times already. I'm gonna tell you, Cole. If you, <laughs> yep. you want to know about Madison, Mikey, our Badger expert, he knows he knows Madison like the back of his hand. He's the guy to talk to, man. He'll tell you everything. He'll tell you the best party awesome. spots and all that. He's the man. I'm sure he'll be. I'm sure he'll be acclimated day, day one with it with uh. His uh, older teammates specifically, so I, I don't know. I wouldn't be too too worried. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, definitely want to thank you again for taking the time to join us. Um, it's awesome, and I really appreciated some of your answers. Actually, most of your answers are all of your answers, even. Um, and I think being able to kind of humanize some of the guys that you're going to see playing on TV on Saturdays is a is a really good way to kind of relate the players to the fans and show that the, you know, these athletes, these players are people and like you being in college, you're going to be a student athlete. So I think it's important to have some of these conversations, especially, you know, some of the ones like asking about, you know, your dad and stuff like that, where it's something that's kind of a, a vulnerable thing so that people can see that, you know, this is Cole LaCrue. He's going to be wearing number 18 for the Badgers, but there's a, there's a person underneath that Jersey and helmet. So I appreciate your answers and, and being, you know, candid and and expressing those for us and taking the time to join us. So I, I just want to say again, we appreciate your time and for joining us. Thank you, man. It was a, it was it was a fun show, man. And uh, anytime you guys need me again, if you need anything else, uh, just shoot me a text. Uh, I'm looking forward to it, man. It's it's going to be a ride. Yes, awesome. Well, oh, yeah. enjoy We're your, uh, for you. <laughs> enjoy your celebration dinner, and we would definitely love to have you back. So yes. um, we'll stay in touch. Also, Sounds Merry good, Christmas man. You guys have a great family. day. Happy New Year. Yeah. Stay yeah. safe. Thank yeah. you. Hey, yeah, uh, everyone, everyone who's watching, uh, Merry Christmas to you guys, and I uh, hope everyone has a safe holidays and uh, everyone be get home safe and just be okay with everything. So, thank you guys once again, yeah. and uh, I look forward to hearing you guys from from you guys soon. Awesome, Take care, sir. Take care, Thanks, Paul. Good night. Take care. Look at Jake promoting the Eddie Open. Oh my goodness. <laughs> That was, hold on. That was Josh.
Josh Hold said on. it in the comments. That was Josh. Me, oh, uh, I can't see the chest. Okay, gotcha. All right. Let me, that makes let sense. me comment on, on Cole real quick. I want us all, you know, this is kind of off script, but I want us all to give like our initial thoughts on what we thought of Cole. And for me, <laughs> that kid is smart. The kid is just oozing confidence and it's just competitive as all hell. And all yeah. three of those things combined can make a very, very dangerous football player, let alone a quarterback. I don't care what position you play, but you put all three of those things in a quarterback. And I think the thing that really, really got me was when he was talking about Peyton Manning and he talked yeah. about how you're not going to out-prepare a Peyton Manning. I was like, all right, this, this kid's giving me a little Aaron Rodgers vibes with the chip on his shoulder. Now he's talking about preparing like Peyton Manning. He's talking about being Money Manziel. I'm like, <laughs> bro, <laughs> he's talking about winning at Ohio State. I mean, shit. I know that there's stuff that he yeah at the shoe. He's not gonna say, you know, like he 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 wants to say we're gonna go win a national title, and I know that's how he feels. I can just tell that from from the moment that he started talking. But um, I'm very excited, and I'm definitely gonna need a Cole crew jersey. Mike, what was your impression of him? Oh, he definitely fits, you know, the confidence gene. And, you know, I don't, I think he sounds like a badass MFer if we're, if we're going to put it that way. And that's, you know, that's the kind of mentality you need, especially as a quarterback when you conduct a huddle, um, you know, especially in, even in a locker room, too. You need, you know, that kind of guy that's going to, you know, make you want to, you know, play for him, whether you're a lineman, receiver, running back, et cetera. So, uh, I love the moxie. I love it. Love the confidence. Um, he, he's definitely got something to prove with, you know, being, you know, under, under recruited. And when you look at his film, it's like, yeah, what the hell? Why, like, why, how did, why did this happen or what? But, um, you know, he's got something to prove. I love that, that confidence. Um, yeah, I, that's what definitely stuck out to me mostly. I think part of what it is is like obviously the confidence stands out really big and like it shows even like especially when he talked about Central Michigan and he's like he's like yeah go ahead find somebody else I'm gonna find somebody else too and it's gonna be better than Central Michigan yeah that was that was, that was something so, the stack on this kid I was like holy shit <laughs> holy shit yeah. this kid. I was just wow. about to I was just about to bring up his maturity and then Jake goes, damn the sack on this kid. Come on, man. We're all we're all just dudes. We're just guys being dudes, right? And if we're watching yeah. the game, we're like, that guy's got a big old nutsack, man, making that play. That's crazy. <laughs> you know what I mean? And that's I, how yeah. I agree with Bill too. Bill said it's not difficult to see why Coach Fickle likes him. And I think yeah. it's it's really cool to see at the same time, you know, we had CJ Getz on last week. And now Cole LaCrue this week and hearing them both talk about like how like Coach Fickle is relating to the players and for Cole LaCrue being a guy who was recruited before and then was kind of in limbo for a couple days and then was, you know, like, you know, he comes out the other side of it and they're like, hey, we still want you here. And he's like, you know, this is this is what we're doing. And Coach Fickle being able to lay that vision out for a recruit, um, you know, and now. I think I should have asked him this, but I'm, I'm sure he would say yes, is that when Coach Fickle brings up something and says a phrase like the new era, and now Cole can feel like he's part of that new era, and I think he's he's potentially got a unique opportunity to be kind of the first of that, that next generation, that new era of Wisconsin football. And then bringing up Phil Longo, he, he runs a style of the air raid offense. 
So mm-hmm. it's not, you know, it's not the, you know, prototypical, um, you know, by the book air raid, he runs kind of his own version of it. But for Cole LaCrue to then see that in the offensive coordinator that he's going to be under and being excited for that, it kind of seems like there's a reinforcement between players and coaches, which I think is encouraging for the future. Yeah. Uh, after watching his film and then uh, doing my, my studying on Phil, um, I think that's going to be a, a very good – uh, marriage, I guess I'll call it. It's going to be a very good combination. Um, then you add in a 230 pound running back coming at you. Um, <laughs> I mean, I and, guess good luck. Did you look at our and schedule this year? They're not now a get... four star receiver, right? I mean, not to get too far ahead, but did you see our soft ass schedule next year? I haven't seen the schedule, no, dude. The hardest game yes. we have is Ohio State at home. Yeah, all of our road games are winnable, yeah. We could easily win 10 games next year. I honestly believe that. I don't know how you guys feel. I'm not going too far ahead, but. I agree. I think a lot of dominoes need to fall. Yeah, I want to see some some more trans, a couple more transfers coming in. This could be a, a topic for another time. But, um, yeah. I mean, I don't think there's any reason why we can, you know, make some noise. That's what I will yeah. say. Yeah. We could maybe talk about transfers a little bit more next Wednesday because next Wednesday we're only going to have one Badger basketball game and then we'll have just a recap of the Badger Bowl game, which, uh, Mike, before we let you go, we need to know your thoughts on um, on the bowl game for Wisconsin against Oklahoma State next Tuesday. Uh, do you want me to start with the Wisconsin? I'm just reading the line here. I'll, I guess I'll start with the yeah, – I put defense first. Give me your thoughts on the defense and then give me your thoughts on the offense after that. Okay, so I mean, defense, what's going to be very interesting is how we're going to play without the likes of Ben, uh, Keanu Ben and Nick Herbig. I'm looking forward to, you know, seeing some guys that, you know, aren't on the field nearly as much um, this year. So I'm hoping that de- I'll start at, you know, Nostack. Well, Geo he's gonna he's gonna get the start and then i'm looking forward to seeing yep. curtis, curtis Neal on the field maybe a little bit too uh he was a highly touted you know recruit uh he was deciding between ohio state and uh wisconsin at the end of the day and i think his recruitment would have even been even bigger but he i think he tore his acl or something along those lines his senior year of high school and i don't think as many you know colleges were getting really really aggressive to get him but you know uh wisconsin stuck the course with him committed to us and uh, I'm just looking forward to see how much progression he's had because we are going to see him on the field in some capacity, I think. Um, so that's probably number one for – that's number one for me on defense. And then outside linebacker, Herbig, I mean, we got – you know, CJ Getz is going to be on one side. How How is that other side going to look like with, you know, DP, Daryl Peterson? You got uh, CJ Ballers and Caden Johnson. Um, just looking to see what kind of – what the snap count is going to be like with all – those guys and um you know just looking at what the progression has been like and even in the last two weeks at least we're both brought because you know those guys are fighting for for reps you know to get on, get on the field even if it's up uh, you know two six and six teams you know going at it you know coach pickles watching you know you know the other staff the new staff is going to be watching too mm-hmm. so um it's just gonna, it's an open competition because all those guys are back next year and yep. first impressions can sometimes go a long way, you know, before going into spring ball. So yep. um, I, the competition is what I'm looking forward to with those, even those two positions. Uh, what about the offense? 
Offense, I mean, I'm looking – I know we, we chatted about this. At yep. the end of the day, I guess I would love to see Miles Burkett play most of the snaps, if not all of them. Love Chase Wolf. The fact that he gave five or even six years to this program, you know, being the backup this whole time, I think, you know, speaks, you know, volumes and the character uh, that a kid has to have to go through that. Um, would I love would – it, would it be the worst to see him get a few snaps? Maybe not. But no. But – you know, if we're talking about the future in college football, it is a business. You know, I know we have, have it, it's just a business at the end of the day. That's coaches and even players now. Um, I would love to see Barquette get most of the snaps. I'm, you know, pulling for him as well as all the other young guys in the room. But I think we need to see what Barquette has. Um, I think, you know, Braylon, I don't know how much, if they give him 20 plus snaps, 20 plus carries, that's great. Wouldn't mind seeing a Malusi get on the field, which, you know, I'm not worried about that. Um, and then the offensive line, I guess, because now you're going to have, you know, guys like Tanner Borlini going back to his first original spot at center. And then you might even see guys like a true freshman like Joe Brunner get, get some reps or even like the Trey Wed- Weddings of the world. Where are they going to have him? Because uh, Riley Mullman should be at right tackle. So, just maybe that starting old line with that's gonna end up being like, and maybe how they divide up reps if they do um, along those lines, and um, and then the receiving spot. I mean, that should be pretty normal, I think, for the most part yep. there. And even and the tight end spot is is gonna be kind of you know up in the air because I know he's been banged up all year for the most part. You're gonna Rucci's gonna be out there, um, and Jalen Frank. Actually, that it's actually a good point. Eschenbach and you know other than that because it's a good topic to bring up because Jalen Franklin uh transferred out to Michigan State so that's one guy that that you lose right right there so I would yeah I think those two guys are gonna get most of the snaps but I'm looking forward to newer guys at the end of the day offensive defense getting you know new reps you know kind of like last year against Arizona State we had Marcus Allen and Skylar Bell for that matter they had big catches in that game so and they got they didn't they hardly got any reps at all during the regular season. So I'm looking forward to new guys or new younger guys just step up and um you know see what they got. Open competition for uh, the new staff to see, and you know that's why I'm very excited going into next season as well. Awesome. Give me, all right, give me, your, score give me your score prediction. Oh, okay. Yeah, good idea. Head head first. Oh man, I. Oh God! Head first, backups on both sides. I'm gonna go 2017 Wisconsin. I would say. Okay, not from your heart. Oh my God, my just, heart. Just it out there, four- You're not getting paid for it. 17 <laughs> 14 Wisconsin. I don't think there's gonna be many points scored on this at the end of the day because I I don't know. I just think both te- both teams, a lot of young guys on both sides of the ball, probably some you know still trying to get used to that new playbook possibly too for like really young guys so um, i just don't think there will be much score on this one at the end of the day um you know if miles does get some does get the start i i I want him to do really really well it just won't surprise me if like he does like some like freshman mistakes quote unquote and um you know but that's with growing that comes with growing pains and everything so i'm really pulling for him but i think at the end of the day where i think full size aren't going to score uh too many points, but we will get the win. We'll see how these score predictions end up with Jake and I, but uh, thank you for, for joining us again. We'll probably have you back again soon. I'm sure. 
Um, and thanks for joining us for the, the Cola crew interview. I think it was good to having three people kind of asking questions and, um, getting some different, some different ideas and viewpoints in there. So appreciate you joining us. Yeah. Take care, Mikey. Have a Merry Christmas, buddy. Thanks guys. I'll be, yeah. You guys as well. I'll be back soon. All right. Take care. <clears throat> All right, Jake, let's start with the offense. We're going to have Badger football. Then we got Badger basketball, and we got three bucks games to talk about yet. So let's rip it off. Let's dig in, baby. Badger's offense against Oklahoma State's defense. Let's talk. What are you thinking? I think we're going to run the ball a lot. So I was originally on board when I was thinking about this. I was like, we're we're not going to score that many points. We're just going to run the ball. We're going to do nice, safe throws. But on the same, on the same, on the other end of the spectrum, right? I'm thinking like, why the hell wouldn't they just? fucking let it rip right like let's just go and let's just see what we got we're gonna get the first taste of this this phil longo offense right little little sprinkles of this and that in there and why don't they just put both quarterbacks in uncomfortable situations and just see what the hell happens right i think you're gonna see that thought reflected in my score predictions yeah i i did go a little bit higher scoring than mike because i'm like they're gonna let it rip right like there's no way that fickle's gonna come in bring the energy that he did Talk about changes uncomfortable and then go conservative in the ball game. Nah, he's not that kind of guy. So it's just but if you're on offense or you're on defense, let's let's just go. Let's you gotta you gotta adapt the mindset of this is what's gonna happen now. And uh that you know, like Cole said, uh th- this is a new new chapter in Wisconsin Badgers football. So I say we're gonna go out there, we're gonna sling that some bitch and Maybe Burkett just just goes crazy, right? We don't know. <clears throat> I'm down. I'm down for slinging it. Like I, like you, you gave me credit for it, which I appreciate. But like I said it, like when the Badgers were looking for like new mm-hmm. coach, and you know we were mm-hmm. wondering if Jim Leonard was going to get the job. I'm like, I want. I'm just like I'm down to just see the Badgers go full air raid. Like yeah. let's just go crazy. <laughs> and now we have an air raid coach, and I'm like, all right, let's do it. <laughs> So on the Badgers depth chart that's listed for the bowl game, uh, it says Chase Wolf's name first. But an important distinction is that it was listed as Chase Wolf or Miles Burkett. It didn't say that Chase Wolf was starting or playing the whole game or however many snaps. It said Chase Wolf or Miles Burkett. Now, we saw Chase Wolf a little bit. We saw him two for six against Minnesota. That was the only action he had this year. Uh, he was 15 for 28 in his career. It's um, 53.6%. He's got 162 career yards, two touchdowns, three interceptions. Now, don't rule out Miles Burkett because it's totally conceivable that he starts and plays this entire game um, because he can still be a redshirt freshman because you can play up to four games and still redshirt, and he's only played in one other game this year. So I wanted to put that out there. Um, and then Mike was talking about the offensive line a little bit. There is no Joe Titman. Um, he is going to the NFL draft, so he is not playing in the bowl game. Um, as far as Oklahoma's Oklahoma State's defense goes, it's going to be interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, Bill said this game is kind of a freebie as far as players are concerned. Tear the wrapping off the new playbook and let it rip. Sure. Treat it like a Christmas present. Tear it open and let's see what we got. And let's take it out, play with it, and have fun. 
Perfect. I agree. Perfect analogy. All right. Listen to this. Oklahoma State's starting linebacker and starting cornerback transferred out, right? Yep. You're talking Mason even, Cobb, right? Even before that, they allowed 460 yards per game of offense. Yeah, I saw that. That's a lot. So many yards. So many yards. That's all of the yards. It's all, it is almost all of the yards. <laughs> You're 40 yards away from allowing 500 yards of offense per game. And that's a fucking average, bro. <laughs> Jeez. That's, oh, man, that's crazy. Dude, this team was ranked number seven in the nation at one point. Oh, man, that's that's rough. Um, So, basically, the way that I'm looking at this, and, you know, there's no Isaac Arendo in this game, too. He's a graduate transfer, so he's out of the running back room. But looking at those yards, Oklahoma State allowed almost a, pretty much 180 rushing yards a game. Yep. That's a lot. So, you know, the Badgers might very well lean on their running backs. You know, it might not be the traditional we're going to run the ball 60% of the time. But when Phil Longo was brought in, looking at his offense, the way that he kind of sets it up is that they use the pass to set up the run. So that might be something, you know, where they come out in a big jumbo set and they – start running a bunch of play action because they're like, oh, it's Wisconsin. They're going to run the ball a ton. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that might be something that, that becomes part of the thing. Um, so is there, you know, is there a specific matchup that you're watching for? On our offense? Or our yeah. Defense? On our offense. offense? Yeah. Well, you talked about their, their and that's why I referred to Mason Cobb because when I was looking at stats, I was like, this guy's everything for this defense and a defense that doesn't really have much. So then I started looking at the depth chart for the bowl game and I brought it up again. Their linebackers are Xavier Benson, 6'2, 224, redshirt junior. And the other starting linebackers, number 11, Lamont Bishop, 6'2, 235, redshirt senior. So I'm looking at those heights and weights and I'm like, they are the exact same size as my running back. So when I'm looking at that, I'm like, they better have their big boy pants on because I think that we are going to see a different version of Braylon Allen. And I am going to allude to what you said, where take take a you know a page out of the Packers playbook, right? Where they swinged AJ Dillon out, get him into space. Now he has the football and he gets two steps to run at you full speed. You're you're kind of fucked, right? Let's just be honest. If you're if an 18 get, year old kid and you're 180, you're not excited. <laughs> that, that, that's I don't know. I don't have to do that. If we get nothing else from this game besides Braylon Allen one on one with a small defensive back, like I'm totally happy with it. And I I am absolutely thinking that's what it's going to be. And you've heard me and you on this show talk about how. We think that Ches Malusi is already a great dual threat college running mm-hmm. back. So Ches Malusi in that role is going to be awesome. Um, and then, you know, if Braylon Allen can clean up the hands and really become good at that, that's what can get the NFL eyes on him because running backs are expected to catch the ball now. So Braylon Allen can really put himself on the map uh, with this game. I think this is kind of already kind of the mold that he's growing into, but it's his player composition or comp 
uh, comparison when he ends up in the draft, it's going to be A.J. Dillon. And what has A.J. Dillon done the most in years two and three that he didn't have in year one? It's catching the football. Yeah. So if he can that. if he can continue to develop that, like you said, I mean, teams are going to view him the way that the Packers view A.J. Dillon, where it's like he can do anything. He can get us the short yardage. He's got actually some sneaky speed. Um, and, you know, we can use him in the passing game. Um. Yeah, I mean, Pat, to pick the one running back in the NFL, he chose the one running in the NFL that doesn't catch passes. And by the way, against the Packers, he caught a forty-yard. So I just want to say that. Yeah, which was annoying because Clay yeah. Walker got held on that play, but it is what it is. And but I mean, Derrick Henry is definitely the outlier in the NFL. I agree. He's he's not. He's definitely the exception, not the rule, when it comes to pass catchers. Um, and with the way the NFL is going outside of maybe Tennessee, most teams like to have is at least two guys in the running back room. (laughs) That's fair, dad. That's fair. (laughs) So for me, the matchup that I'm watching is, is the offensive line under new coaching. Uh, Bob Bostad has gone to Indiana to be there, um, to be there. He's their offensive coordinator, I think actually in Mm -hmm. Indiana. Um, but also, on this offensive line, there are no seniors. So everybody's playing for 2023 uh, starting spots and playing time is going to be – this is the beginning of the audition for the new coaching staff. Um, and there's going to be a bunch of shuffling with with Joe Titman not being on the line, kind of like Mike said. So Bordellini's going to go back to center. Wedig will probably be back in there. I mean, it's going to be a big shuffle and new coaching. So I'm watching the offensive line. Definitely, definitely. All right. Switch to the defensive side of the ball. So, like us with Burkett, who's a freshman, right? You look at the the depth chart for Oklahoma State, both quarterbacks are technically freshmen. One's a redshirt freshman and one's a true freshman. So, they have Garrett Rangel, 6'2", 181, freshman out of Frisco, Texas. And then Gunner Gundy. What a name, by the way. Just want to say that. The quarterback Gunner. (laughs) I mean – He's got a perfect quarterback. Now. He was born to be a quarterback, yeah. He really he really was, and that's how I felt <laughs> about it. But looking at both these guys, and I I took a couple of minutes and watched a little bit of how they carry themselves on the field and, and decision-making and stuff, I think the defense can just straight up just get after them. And I know we're going to be running a new defensive scheme that we run a 3-3-5 now, I believe. So um, that'll be really interesting to see how they integrate the big guys we have on the team. Um, uh, our new favorite Wisconsin Badger, CJ Getz, see him in his new role, and you know, kind of see how they attack these freshman quarterbacks. This game is like, it's really big for both teams. I feel like, um, with with finding the depth that they have and and the experience, the in game experience for the young guys is really really going to be massive. I think, especially at the quarterback position. So you know what I feel I'm, like this game is, what's especially that? this is especially from the Wisconsin viewpoint. It's like. If you ever see like divers, like mm-hmm. swimming pool divers, not like scuba divers, like yep, yep. when they go and they jump on the diving board and the board goes all the way down, that's what this game is because everything is up from here. So this is the lowest point of the diving board and everything is going to springboard off of this game. That's really how I'm starting to feel about this. Mm-hmm. So one more quick thing. I was looking at Spencer Sanders' uh, stats uh, because he was the starting quarterback for much of the season, and I was kind of comparing 
you know, the effects of his high interceptions in certain certain games, how that affects the team. And when he was bad, the team was bad. And that's not shocking to say, oh, when the quarterback's bad. But there mm-hmm. are there are teams that can survive with, with poor quarterback play, right? Mm-hmm. They are not one of them. So when they're in games of 15-plus margin, six of his nine interceptions came in those games. So it's almost like once you get to this team early, it's almost like they're a little mentally weak. And I feel like we can stop on their throats. So I'm looking for us to, to attack. I really am. I'm hoping Fickle has these boys ready to play, which I have absolutely no doubt that he will. And I'm ready for us to go whoop some ass. <laughs> Again, a Wisconsin football team beating Cowboys. Name, there you, go. Matter, you know. So what is what's a matchup they're watching for the Badgers defense? I am watching our defense against those quarterbacks because of what I said. I feel like we're going to get after them early. I really feel like we're going to play like a really, really aggressive brand of defense. Like we're going to be sending corners. We're going to be, you know, stunting middle linebackers. I mean, I feel like the Badgers are absolutely about to just go crazy and get after these guys. So I'm excited. I'm watching our defense versus the young quarterback play of the Oklahoma State Cowboys. All right, I'm going to give you my matchup first just because it ties in exactly to what you were saying with taking advantage of freshman quarterbacks. Yep, yep. Um, and I'm the specific player that I'm watching is John Torchio. Oh, okay. Because of a guy that could end up in the draft, Torchio's playing in the bowl game. Mm-hmm. So he could actually bump his draft stock up a little bit by playing well in this game. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> With it. Um, Isaac said, what's up, boys? Mary Chrysler. I've got to say, Chrysler. Isaac. The Mary, the Mary Chrysler Vine, that's like my wife's favorite. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Vine, like she loves that video. (laughs) Mine's the, mine's the, look at all these chickens. That's the best Courtney one. Courtney loves that one, too. It's the best one. <laughs> I was just talking the other day to um, to my dad, and I'm like, like the one where the, the inmate is in, he's getting his thing read, and the <laughs> lawyer reads it, and he goes, and I quote, girl, you're thicker than a bowl of oatmeal. And the, and the inmate goes. <laughs> <laughs> that was... Vine was uh, so perfect, bro. It's like a grown-up <laughs> version of TikTok. Come on, man. They had to ruin everything for us. All right. Now that we've gotten distracted, back to the Badgers' <laughs> defense. So I mentioned Torchio. Now, mm-hmm. <clears throat> listen to listen to the stats between Garrett Rangel and Chase Wolf. Chase Wolf has thrown 15 passes on – or 
sorry, 15 completions on 28 passes. Wrangell has thrown 45 on 80 or 45 completions on 84 attempts. That is exactly three times the completions, exactly three times the attempts. Same exact percentage. Mm. Now, with those 45 completions, Wrangell has 482 yards. But just like Chase Wolf, he also has two touchdowns and three interceptions. Chase Wolf and Garrett Wrangell are the same guy. It's the Spider Man meme where they're both pointing at each other. <laughs> That's a great meme. That's definitely top five. Definitely top five, in my opinion. That the the angry cat where the cats where it's like the two chicks that are crying and they're yeah. pointing at the cat. That one's that's yeah, that's <laughs> okay. <clears throat> so we know, like Mike said, no Keanu Benton, no Nick Herbig, they're both going to the draft. Torchio's playing, and we get this is possibly the thing that I'm most intrigued slash excited for. Mm-hmm. We get one game. We get one game. Of Luke Fickle, Mike Tressel, and Jim Leonard. Yeah. We get one game. This is like one of those that you're going to take and you're going to put in a vault afterwards and be like, yo, you remember the guaranteed rate bowl in 2022? The Badgers were bad that year. Your Paul Chris got fired and Jim Leonard didn't get the job and they hired Luke Fickle and he kicked off this huge era. But there was one game where they coached together. That's going to be a, a trivia question in like 20 years. <laughs> right? What bowl game did Jim Leonard and Luke Fickle co-coach at Wisconsin? Um, and that's that's kind of it, Isaac. Like it could be it could be a Leonard audition tape. It could be something where like I just want to throw this out because I want this possibility to remain mm-hmm. where Fickle and Leonard are so in sync. That you know, Leonard changes his mind and decides to stick around. I'm still holding out hope until he says that he's going somewhere else. Yeah, I don't think and he will I, go anywhere else. I don't think he wants to. I still think he's going to take 2023 off. I still feel like that's what's going to happen. I don't think he's going to do anything in 2023, and then he's going to come back the following year with you know with some clarity and some you know more in touch with himself. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, all star coaching, Dad, basically. Basically, that's what it's going to be. We got the interim head coach and the new era head coach, and we get to have them together for one game and yeah. one game only. Now, listen to this. <laughs> this is yikes. So, <laughs> Oklahoma State, Oklahoma State is 90th in college football in rushing yards per game at 128 and a half, but. They passed the ball 41.4 times per game, which is ninth in the country. A fucking yikes. That's <laughs> a big yikes. And now they're on to all freshman quarterbacks. Not only that, Isaac, yes, Braylon Allen is playing in this game. Um, not only that, their number one running back also entered the transfer portal. Yeah. I will say the Oklahoma State, they do have some decent wide receivers, but they're going to need time to get the ball to them. Yeah. So, that being said, what what stands out to you as a key to victory for the Badgers? My key to victory is going to be pretty bland 
And also pretty important, it's the turnover battle. Um, we're going to have a lot of inexperienced players in this game, um, both sides, not just, you know, Oklahoma State as we're bashing them, no offense to them. Um, sure, there are a bunch of great kids uh, that have also battled hard and living their dreams of playing college football. So um, the turnover battle is going to be really, really important. And if the if the Badgers can win it, I think they'll they can have a pretty pretty sizable margin of victory. <laughs> well, when you hear my my score predictions, they're it's pretty big. We'll get we'll, mine are very different on my two, but for me, a key to victory is it's control what you can control. Mm-hmm. So we're looking at a bunch of guys who are potentially playing for playing time. You know, for a guy like Torcho to maybe bump his draft stock for guys to increase their roles for twenty twenty three. But neither one of these teams is the same team that they've been all season. They're both massively different than the way that they've been that got them to this point. Mm-hmm. So that's that's what I'm looking at. Um, that being said, um, CJ Getz causes a fumble. CJ Getz causes all the fumbles. If he, um, if he causes a fumble, bro, <laughs> that'd be fire. <laughs> we have to have him back. and be like, dude. Yeah. Be the hype man for him. All right, Jake, <laughs> give me your score prediction from the head. 28-20, Wisconsin. Mike was really close. He almost said mine exactly. He said 2017 minus 21-17. Oh. Okay. A little bit of one-upsmanship there. All right, give me your score <laughs> prediction from the heart. I think these are going to be interesting. From the heart, 31-17. Oh, I went, I went same margin victory, but I went more points. Oh wow! I went thirty-five twenty-one. Oh okay. Looking at all of the yards that Oklahoma State has given up, especially in rushing yards, I feel like this is where like Braylon Allen or Ches Malusi could rip off like a super long touchdown or multiple super long touchdowns. <clears throat> and then I went from um, seventeen points for Oklahoma State to twenty-one, just because if that happens, Oklahoma State's going to get the ball back a little bit quicker. And, you know, maybe they have another touchdown drive instead of a field goal drive. So that's why I went with the higher points for Oklahoma State as well. But definitely going to be interesting. Yes, it will be. So did you know that Oklahoma State started 5-0 and and then they went 2-5 and in their next seven games? I did. Remember I said they were number seven. And then they got yes. – dude, they got mollywopped by Kansas State. 48-0. to now I know Zero. I know Kansas State's good, but they played Baylor close. And they play oh they beat Baylor. They played they uh they played TCU really close. Mm-hmm. So how do you play TCU close and then just get absolutely killed by Kansas State? I don't know. It doesn't make sense to me, but I don't know. I don't make the rules. All right. Anything else you want to say about the Badger Bowl game? I am excited for the bowl game, but man oh man, am I excited for next season. I I think that we're going to go crazy next year. It's going to be fun. And I'm still I can see a, I can see a USC like rise in Wisconsin football. Sure, I can see that. I'm I'm still I'm going to be so locked in on trying to pay attention to to the interactions between Luke Fickle and Jim Leonard. Yeah. Cuz we're I mean like we've we've heard that they've talked and stuff like that and you know we get to hear like you know we get to hear Fickle say what he's talked to Jim Leonard about, but 
actually physically seeing them interact together, I think is going to be really interesting. So I'm going to be super locked in on that, honestly. I'm with that. All right. Let's talk Badger basketball. We have one basketball game, a very weird basketball game that was like a really concerning first half. And then like a, damn, what, what, where was this in the first half, second half of the Badger game? So let's talk about the Badgers and Lehigh. Yeah, what a tale of two halves, man. I mean, exactly. we're getting punched in the mouth. They're giving us everything we have. You're seeing us kind of backpedal, like, whoa, 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 chill out. It wasn't me, you know, like kind of kind of that kind of deal. Like, hey, whoa, hold up. And then all of a sudden, Wisconsin, I don't know what happened, man, but they flipped the switch, and it was just like, all right, this is what I expected from Tip, but I'm glad you saw bitches got it together. <laughs> they would have won um, like 50 if they played like that in both halves. Oh, my God, they would have they would absolutely house them. Um, I do want to give credit to Lehigh, man. They got some tough kids over there. Um, mm-hmm. To come into Madison as as a Lehigh, like no disrespect, but like come into Madison where they don't lose a lot in the Cole Center. Um, they beat a lot of top-ranked teams in the Cole Center. The Badgers are very, very good with the home cooking. Uh, to come in there and play as tough as they did and, and get tough buckets, you know, for the entirety of the first half, um, credit to them. I mean, they played really, really tough. Um, I will say I'm loving what I'm seeing. Stephen Crowell last last couple games, man. Um, I believe that Stephen Crowell is starting to put together the building blocks to what kind of player he can be. So you heard after the Iowa game, and we talked about uh, Stephen Crowell, um, you heard after the, the Iowa game, Coach Gard talk about, you know, Crowell doesn't believe in the kind of player he can be. And you could definitely see that in his mannerisms a little bit. But the way that – the way when he plays aggressive and he's scoring the ball and we know that he can pass the ball, and if he gets a little bit more aggressive on rebounding, he could literally be a cornerstone for this team, in my opinion, just looking at his skill set. Um, he finished 6 of 11, 15 points, 1 of 1 from 3. He had a steal. So from that game, I was most impressed with Stephen Crowell, to be honest with you. Um, I do – credit to Dis, obviously Connor Thregan, he was balling too and then Hepburn didn't even have a crazy game but we ended up whooping their ass so when, when you have a team where one of your best players doesn't have the greatest game and you could still you know cook somebody plus that's a good sign to me so <clears throat> this half like Bill said the, the Lehigh had a wide open lane to the basket in the first half it was it was tough. I mean, <clears throat> Badgers also had four turnovers in just over four minutes. They had six oh. turnovers in the first ten minutes of the game and had a six-minute drought in the first half. But they did not make a field goal. Yeah. And then, like I said last week, and I'm going to probably keep looking at this, is that guys are catching the ball looking to pass. They're not catching the ball and looking like they're a threat to score. So I'm going to stick on that until I see it change. Um, you know, I don't have a direct line where I can just pick up the phone and call Greg Gard and say, hey, tell guys to be ready in a triple threat position where they're ready to, to pass, shoot, or drive. Mm-hmm. But, you know, catching and looking like you're looking for somebody to get the ball out of your hands, um, I'd, I'd just like to see the Badgers present themselves as more of a threat um, in that area. <clears throat> I want to give Jordan Davis some credit. He missed his first three, and it was a pretty ugly miss, but he hit his next two threes. Um, mm-hmm. <clears throat> and then the Badgers went on a 10-0 run. They got the lead back. Um, a 
five of nine start from three, help them get through that drought. Um, and the first half turnovers. You know, the defense, yeah. like Bill said, needed to be better. Too many points in the paint. 22 out of their 32 first half points were in the paint. Yeah. And then when it comes to screens, there was a lot of missed communication where, you know, guys weren't sure if it was going to go over the screen, if they were going to switch the screen. And they, they lost some miscommunication on that as well. And then we get to the second half. Stephen Crowell scores the first four points out of the half. <clears throat> the Badgers get down five after missing some more free throws. Connor Asijin comes in. He hits a three, draws an offensive foul, hits another three, and kicks off an 11-0 Badgers run. And they don't look back. Uh, Connor Asijin provided a spark. Max Klesman got in on it. Uh, Stephen Crowell got in on it. Mm-hmm. The Badgers finished 11 of 21 on threes. When do you remember the last time we could say the Badgers were over 50% on threes? No, no, I don't. I do not. Like, I remember <laughs> last last year a lot of games where there was like, yeah, the Badgers were two for 20 on threes, or they were three for 14 on threes. And it's like it was rough. Shit, just against Iowa, they were six to twenty-two. So I mean. Yeah. All right. So you mentioned Stephen Crowell. You mentioned he was six of 11. He was one of six in the first half. Mm-hmm. He was five of five in the second half. He was balling, bro. Tyler Wall, he was five of 11. He had 13 points. Jordan Davis, career high, 14 points on five of eight shooting, including four of six behind the three point line. Yeah. Look That's at this crazy. guy. Four of six on threes. What a stud. Um, you mentioned Chucky Hepper and his eight points. Uh, Max Klesman also had eight points. He was two of three on threes. Mm-hmm. Now, this is fun. So, rebounds is one thing. Badgers had 32. Lehigh had 20. Wisconsin had 10 offensive rebounds. Lehigh had three. That's important. That's good stuff there because that limits big time second chance points. Lehigh only had two second chance points. Wow. The Badgers missed three free throws, so we're at five fundamental failure points with points off of turnovers to go. But they allowed 15 points off turnovers. Adds up to 20 fundamental failure points. It's mm, it's just the one aspect that Badgers are normally good at is taking care of the ball, and they gave up a bunch of points off turnovers. It's like they could have had a sub-15 fundamental failure point game. That would have been nuts. Yeah, it really would have been. <laughs> um, And then the last thing I want to say about this game, the Badgers made 12 of their final 14 shots. Oh, my God. They shot – 65.5% in the second half. Jesus Christ. <laughs> wow. Yes. So that happened. If the Badgers could play a 40-minute game shooting 65.5%, like the score would be ugly. Oh, that would be crazy, bro. <laughs> All right. So anything else you wanted to say about this game? No. Okay. Badgers only have one game between now and next Wednesday. It is Friday against Grambling State. 
Win or lose, what do you think? <laughs> Win. <laughs> yes, I also have that one down as a W. Badgers are up to number 17, I believe, now, right? They are, yes. So we're climbing up the rankings. Uh, we're starting to get respect. So just keep stacking those W's, and uh, we'll see what happens. All right. So speaking of not stacking up W's, we got to get the ugly game out of the way with the Bucs. Uh, happened on the same day as the Badgers game against Lehigh. Definitely not as fun of a game to watch. Um. This game, I was annoyed, honestly, within the first 30 seconds of this game. Yeah. Because Chris Middleton, he's coming off a screen. He knows he's about to get fouled, so he goes to start shooting. He gets fouled, and somehow it's not an opportunity for a four-point play. I still watching it. Like, I can't wrap my head around it. If he's anticipating the contact, and that's why he shot, and the shot happened before the foul, how is it not a shooting foul? Like, I just can't wrap my mind around it. How you call that on the floor? The problem with basketball, you know, you can say football too, is that the refs have too much control over the game. So, you know, and I brought it up with, you know, with them calling a foul where they have literally admitted that, oh, if he makes it, we're not calling a foul. If he misses that shot, we're going to call a foul. And then – the ref sees the foul coming too, right? Just like Chris does, and he anticipates blowing the whistle. I just don't understand the difference between continuation when the guy gets fouled for a layup and then not doing the same thing for a three-point shot. To me, that makes that makes no sense. I don't understand. It's not, the even like, it's not even like he was falling down and he just like flung the ball towards the rim. Like yeah. He was legit coming off a screen and pulling up to shoot a jump shot. Right, right. I mean, <laughs> this game pissed me off to be completely honest with you. Um, we mean, only had nine fucking turnovers, and we lost by 40. Yeah, I know. Trust me, I know. And it's it's really frustrating. So, the Bucks started two of 13 from this game. Yeah. Um, not having Drew obviously showed. Um and they started six of twenty-four and one for ten from the three-point line. So it wasn't even just missing layups; they were missing threes too. They were one for ten to start the game on threes. And yeah. then, and then on the other end, John Morant was causing problems with his speed and athleticism. The Bucks really could have used Drew Holiday in this game. Yeah. So you know, it is what it is. It felt like after that, like after that start, the Bucks just could not get in rhythm. They couldn't buy buckets, and they couldn't get to the free throw line. Yeah, we couldn't get man. Layups, shit was just not falling. And then they were going over there, setting a the screen. The guy was wide open. They were getting dunks. And I'm like, we are not the same tonight. <laughs> and then Memphis came out of the second half, eight for eight. They never looked back. I mean, the Bucks had an off night of shooting. Memphis had a great night of shooting. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, it is what it is, I guess. I mean, Bobby Portis, Javon Carter, and A.J. Green were the only players that shot over 50% in this game. And AJ Green was four of six. Javon Carter was three of six, and Bobby Portis was eight of fourteen. So Bobby Portis was probably our best player in that game, but only three guys shot over fifty percent on field goals in this game. Wow, which is a bummer. That's crazy. <clears throat> uh, Bobby well, Portis finished with nineteen and seven. Giannis finished with nineteen six and five. Chris Middleton got banged up in this game, which sucks. 
But looking at the final field goal percentage, Memphis shot 54.9% on field goals. Milwaukee, 37.2. Like, you, we've talked about games where you crumple them up and throw them in the garbage. Here it is. Here's the one you crumple up, throw in the garbage. There's no sense yeah. in, um, you know, dwelling on it outside of looking at it and saying, hey, we were not good in transition defense. Memphis had eight guys in double figures. And the Badgers, or the Badgers, the Bucks, lost the rebounding battle by 17. Yeah. Um, there's just not much to take away from this game. I mean, think about this. The Grizzlies made 12 threes, and they scored 140 points. That's that's insanity. That's 104, not at the three-point line. They they scored 86 in the paint. They outscored us by almost 50 points in the paint. They had 27 fast break points. And they got 18 points matching us, 18 points from the free throw line. So that's basically a cancel out, right? Usually somewhere where the Bucks dominate because Giannis gets in the line so much, and then the other guys that get there usually make both of them or one, right? This game is just – it can be beautiful, it can be ugly. Let's just say right. And the only way I'm going to say this, I know the haters are in full force against me, so I don't give a shit. Christmas Day is coming, so I can't wait to give the Celtics fans what they deserve. At the end of the day, obviously you want to win every game you play, but mm-hmm. at the end of the day, this is one of 82. Yep. <clears throat> so we can move on to a, a more fun game. And we can talk about the Bucks versus Jazz. So the Bucks are a little bit shorthanded in this game. Joe Ingles missed debuting against his former team by one game. I know. So sick. close. But George Hill was cooking a little bit against his former team. And actually, so was Grayson Allen. Um, George Hill, he's finished with nine points, five rebounds, and three assists. Uh, he hit a couple threes. Brooke Lopez... He got a Euro step. Like, what the hell is the biggest human I have ever seen doing a Euro step, shooting the floater? He missed it. He caught his own rebound and he dunked it with his left hand. I know, dude. <laughs> then he's shaking his head on the way down. <laughs> so, Bobby went crazy in this game as well. He scored 10 of the Bucks' first 12 points. He had 15 points in the first quarter and four rebounds. And he made the only Bucks three pointer in the first quarter. So the Bucks, this is another thing where, like you just mentioned, Memphis scoring a ton of points without making a ton of threes. Then you get to a game where the Bucks are scoring a ton and not hitting threes. So it's interesting. Um, Isaac, that that play is coming in the next game. So you got to wait one more game. Uh, <clears throat> and then um, Drew Holiday sparked a 12 0 run. Of those 12 points, this was in the second quarter. The 12 points scored during the 12-0 run. Drew Holiday scored 10 of them. After he started, I think he was 0-4 to start. Then he made his next five shots. He scored 10 points on the Bucks 12-0 run. Mm-hmm. Getting into the second half, I need to give Sandro Mamukilashvili credit for what he did in this game. Mm-hmm. He drove and kick twice to Wesley Matthews and... He came in and grabbed a rebound that hit the rim really short over two Utah Jazz players and kicked it out again to Wesley Matthews for three. Uh, the other driving kick that he had was to Pat Connaughton, who hit a three. All these guys are all playing better, uh, which is really encouraging. I also got to throw out, at one point, Drew Holiday 
drove into Kelly Olenek's chest, bumped him back into the paint, and scored a left-handed layup on him. Is that the one that was kind of like you, it didn't really get over the rim very much? Is that the one you're referring to? Yes. Yeah, dude. When I was watching it, I was like, Did "That go in?" I was like, "That was Drew Holiday, our point guard, against a power forward, and he had more power than the power forward." Yeah, I think Drew's strength is a very underrated portion of his game. Yes, it was. This is a kind of a weird thing too, but. The Bucks gave up an and one before the end of the first quarter and before the end of the third quarter. Yeah, that's weird. It's just like, okay, can we not? Like, I just <laughs> can we not? <laughs> but fourth quarter, the Bucks pulled away. Utah only scored 14 points in the fourth quarter. They were really seven good. of 22 on field goals. They were they were keeping pace for a lot of the game uh, by making a lot of threes. 0 for 12 on threes in the fourth quarter was Utah. Yep. So the Bucks are also now 58 and 4 under Budenholzer when they get 30 or more assists. <laughs> Biggest difference in this game from the Memphis game to the Utah game, rebounding. Bucks got out-rebounded by 17 in the Memphis game. They out-rebounded Utah by 25. Yep. 54 rebounds by the Bucks, only 29 rebounds by the Jazz. That's insane. Only 14 second chance points, nine points off turnovers, only two missed free throws, only 25 fundamental failure points. That's going to end up being one of the lowest totals that the Bucks have this season. And I will let you talk about this game, and then I want to talk about Jordan Clarkson versus Grayson Allen. So what were your thoughts on this game? You told me to watch out for that, so I'm excited for that. I was I was just waiting. I was like, when's he gonna pull Saving it out? for last? When's he gonna pull it out? So you talked about Mamu. Um, yeah, I wanted to talk about Mamu as well because you talked about his passing ability, which we already knew about uh with him coming out of Seton Hall. Um, his ability to handle the ball a little bit. We've talked about uh we wanted him to get a little bit tougher on defense, which it looks like he's improved his positioning at, at the very least. Yeah, um, and he's becoming a tough rebounder. The one thing that I want Mamu to get better at is finishing with force in the paint. If he does that, he will be a legit, and I'm not talking like just a starter. He will be a legit NBA starter if he can finish with force and have that passing ability. The little finesse with the power, I think that could be something that could be sick. I don't like this player because I don't think he's valuable to his team, but like he's got a little bit of Nikola Vucevic in him. Oh, okay. I can see that. Um, it's actually not a bad comparison. Thanks for completely killing my train of thought. <laughs> um, for some reason, I am just attracted to the points in the paint stat. Like it's like a really big thing for me. Um, just like rebound. It's like the red zone of the NBA. It, yeah, it's, it's like to me, it's like a physicality thing. And like I've always been like a big guy, so like I've never shied away from like people like hitting me. Like I actually kind of like it. Like. When I played basketball at the Y at Sheboygan, people were hitting me like, okay, we getting into it now, bro. You know what I'm saying? Like, I like that. So, like, I'm really passionate about points in the paint. So, when I saw we give up 80 points in the paint to the Grizzlies, I was pissed off, man. I was pissed. And then to see it go to 38, and they did very well against the Pelicans, too. A little foreshadow. Mm -hmm. Um, 
getting it down to 38 in the next game, I know that's something that was, that was a point of emphasis, and I loved every moment of that. Um, Brooke had a much better game in this game compared to the Grizzlies game. Grizzlies, he had four points, three, three points, assists. In this game against the Jazz, 18 points, eight rebounds, and an assist. Um, he also had three blocks in this game. And he then, blocked Lori Markinen trying to dunk the ball twice. Markinen, you know, and we're not trying to throw shade at him. That guy deserves to be an all-star. I'm just I really that. like him, actually. He um, just Even back to his Bulls days yeah. um, and his Cavaliers days, when they put him on Chris Middleton, it, it made things hard for Middleton. It did. Um, he just tied, like, an NBA record, I think it was last night, uh, for most threes by a seven-footer with nine. So I was like, Damn he's, it. he's hooping Brooke out has, there. Brooke has hit eight twice. I know. I just want just one more, Brooke. Just tie the NBA Brooke. record, you know? Or, ten in a game, and we'll, we'll, call ten, you yeah. Brooke, we'll call you Brooke Curry. Yeah, fuck it. Just, just, just go, like, go I already get the call you Dirk Lopez sometimes. Like, we can call you Steph Lopez. I'm totally down for that. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Steph Lopez sounds better than Brooke Curry. Um, it does. And, and Marjan in the Grizzlies game at 12 points. Oh, geez, I'm going crazy here. 12 points, Easy. three rebounds, two assists. Um, against the Jazz, he had 18 points, three rebounds, two assists, a steal. He ended plus 17 in that game. So In only um, 19 minutes. Yeah, Marjan played very, very good against the Jazz. You could tell that he's already getting acclimated to the NBA speed, and his athleticism is going to be a very big thing for him. So uh, very happy about both players who put in eight, eight a piece of so 36 points also players who are cornerstone players. So, I mean, on offense at least. Right. Brooke is definitely a cornerstone on defense. But. Right. He's just he's just the, the stone. He's the Easter Island head stone. <laughs> he's the best. <laughs> um, no. I want to also throw Bobby Portis. He finished with 22 points and 14 rebounds. He's up to 17 double-doubles now. And I just want to touch on Marjan real quick. The thing that I think is standing out for me that's been different since his first stint where he was starting to get some regular playing time before he got sick, I do also want to give him credit. He's playing, like, right after breaking his nose. He he broke his nose in practice last week, and then he's still playing, like, just a couple days later. What a monster. So his, his first stint – when he was having the good games against um, like the Hawks and the Thunder and some of those early going games in November, that's where the athleticism stood out. We saw a lot of the athleticism. You know, he was hitting some threes here and there, but he's back and he's back in the rotation and he's shooting with confidence. Yeah. Like Budenholzer got, like we are two months into the season and Budenholzer's got the let it fly instilled in him now. That's fair. I mean, four for seven four, from three. Four games. for seven, exactly. And he's not just shooting wide open corner threes. Like, he's coming off screens, taking a step towards the basket, a step back from the basket behind the three-point line, and shooting threes like that. Nuts. He's not just doing catch-and-shoot threes. He's shooting with confidence. Mm. Fucking love it. to see it. I'm with it. Now... You ready for Grayson versus Clarkson? I am. I posed or I like I proposed this idea probably about a month ago that the Bucks could use Grayson Allen the way Utah uses Jordan Clarkson. Mm-hmm. 
They both scored 13 points in this game. Jordan Clarkson was 5 for 10 from the field, 3 for 7 from the three-point line. Grayson Allen was 6 of 9 from the field, 1 for 2 from the three-point line. Mm-hmm. Rebounds. Grayson Allen, 4. Jordan Clarkson, 1. Assists. Grayson Allen, 4. Jordan Clarkson, 3. They each had a steal. And then turnovers, Grayson Allen, 1. Jordan Clarkson, 3. Tell me the Bucs can't use Grayson Allen like they'd use Jordan Clarkson if he was on the Bucs. I'll say the one difference is that Jordan Clarkson, we he's not playing with Giannis right now. So we right. know his impact would be with Giannis. Right. Also, Jordan Clarkson can be a guy that can just get on fire and give you 30. I feel much more comfortable with Jordan Clarkson giving you 30 than Grayson Allen. Now, I'm right. not saying that it's not a bad comparison. And in terms of contract and usage rate, obviously, they're both favorite. But Grayson Allen does a great job of fitting in and playing his role. So mm-hmm. you, you've heard me say a hundred times, I'm okay with us not making a move. And you saw all the people coming out after the Grizzlies game like they always do. They hide when we win. Mm-hmm. But when we lose, they come out and they're like, we need to make a trade for a perimeter defender. It's like, guys, you're telling me, you know, so we win, win, loss. And then you go over here and we got a win and we got a loss and we got a win, win, win. And like, so you're telling me in the playoffs, if we win eight games to every two losses, you're going to be upset that we didn't trade for a wing defender. No, shut up. Yeah, like, it'll be up. bucks and five instead of bucks and six. Yeah. Like just shut up. You know, and we didn't have drew holiday. Exactly. I just, uh, I can't stand the internet sometimes, man. That's, that's why we got to get rid of the knee-jerk reactions and the small sample sizes. Mm-hmm. All right. So let's go to the Bucks and the Pelicans game. Hey, Isaac, were you excited about that dunk that uh, Giannis finished from Marjan's alley-oop? <laughs> yes. <laughs> that was awesome. Like, So Zion is bringing the ball up the floor. And Drew Holiday picks him up a step past half court and steals the ball from him. Dives on the floor, tosses it to Marjan Bochamp, who takes two dribbles, kind of runs out of space and isn't sure what to do with the ball, puts it up for Giannis, who catches it and throws it down in, like, less than 0.2 seconds, and it turns into an awesome play. All from the Drew Holiday defense. Oh, which makes a difference. Who knew? Like, they're, they're complaining about getting a wing defender like we didn't have our best wing defender. Like, the fuck? Two plus, two plus two always equals four. That's all I'm going to say. Are you sure? 100%, 100% sure. All right. Give me your thoughts on the Bucks and Pelicans game from Monday night. I was really excited for this game uh, in New Orleans. Uh, a very – battle against the Pelicans team that's been surprising. Um, I'm actually looking to try to go to this game in Milwaukee because I think seeing Zion versus Giannis is much-watched TV. It's going to be must-watch over the next five years, in my opinion, um, as both of them are going to be in their prime. Um, And both are probably the most unstoppable people in the paint. So those two matching up, um, especially with like the way that they're shaped, or Giannis is more stretched out and Zion's more low to the ground and just looks like 
he looks like the left-handed version of of Charles uh, Barkley, in my opinion. Just strong, gets there, doesn't matter. He's going to score. Um, I saw a Bucks team that shot 56%. 45-81. That is incredible. At 26 assists, did have 18 turnovers, but the rebounding was even, so that's a wash. They played great. Defense in the paint, only allowing 42 points and scoring 54 of their own. Killed them in the fast break points, plus 10 there. And had 25 points from the free throw line. You get 25 points from the free throw line and 54 points in the paint, you're going to win a lot of goddamn games. Point playing period, 2 plus 2 always equals 4. Um, Brooke Lopez with a 30 bomb, dude. When I see that, I'm just oh, like, Oh, I got something what? on Brooke Lopez for you. Oh, that is yes. insane. Um, this is just a good game, and I'm gonna say it's not gonna happen. But a Bucks versus Pelicans finals will be fun. I'll say that. I'd be down for that. To me, the Pelicans are the Cavaliers of the Western Conference. Oh, we play them tonight. <laughs> that's yeah, that's easy perspective. I think. Um, if I saw one more person saying, "Oh, we're terrible for letting Jonas Valanciunas beat us." There's, there's something to be said for taking your opponent's best player out of the game and making their third, fourth, and fifth best players try to beat you. It, it's called strategy. Bill Belichick does it all the time. He takes away your best player. I was just going to say, Belichick's been pretty good at that. He made a pretty good career at that. <laughs> it's almost like there's more to the game than just staring at the box score and seeing who's scoring. Now, I understand that it's like, okay, Valanciunas is making 80% of his shots. You know, maybe we should change it up a little bit because their, you know, their guy that you're trying to force beat you is at least keeping pace with you. And exactly. My dad said if they don't lose, who cares how they did? You can't tell me that it's not a factor that Zion only scored 17 points and that he did not look comfortable for one second of this game. Yeah. Even even when Wesley Matthews like fouled him a couple times, he still looked pissed. Mm-hmm. Like he's going to the free throw line and he still looked unhappy, out of rhythm. He never got into a rhythm, even when he scored a little bit in in the second half. So the Bucks were focused on stopping Zion. They were using Drew Holiday and Wesley Matthews as the primary defenders on Zion Williamson. Drew Holiday, primary defender on Zion Williamson. That guy guards fucking everybody, man. He guards everybody. He guards the fucking bus too, man. He guards everyone. Dude just guards KD and and Curry and Zion and, and Tatum and oh my god, guards everyone. He, he guards everybody. And I want to give I got to give credit because Eric Name is the one who wrote this up and he really broke it down. Was how in addition to the Bucks using Drew and Wesley Matthews on Zion Williamson, they were also keeping Brooke Lopez ready and waiting for Zion to try to drive past or through those guys. Mm-hmm. And obviously it made things harder for Zion, but it made things easier for Jonas Valanciunas. It gave him a lot of space. Mm-hmm. So he made some threes that were wide open, and then he made a couple jump shots with Bobby Portis right in his face. That's where I say good offense beats good defense every single time. If a guy's hitting jump shots, it doesn't matter if you have a finger up his nose. Like, if he's making his shots, like, you tip your cap and he made the shot. All right, keep playing good defense. 
Yeah, you, you're talking about fingers up noses. Did you see that shot from the Vikings game against the Colts? <laughs> That's like, not a nose, though. I know. They, they stick fingers up butts. Little weirdos That's, over there. Yeah, that was weird. <laughs> uh, I do also want to give the Pelicans announcers some credit because they were giving Javon Carter credit. Uh-huh. Uh, they were giving him credit on offense and defense. And then we got the Joe Ingles debut. We got our Christmas present from the Bucks. We got Joe Ingles unwrapped. Um, he didn't score, but we got to see a Joe Ingles and Giannis pick and roll result in a layup for Giannis. So that was cool. Get a mm-hmm. glimpse of that. Giannis was hitting everything, like literally everything. He was kidding, like like dribble up, walk into threes, and cashing them. He went on an eight zero run. Um, to start the second quarter for the Bucks. So we get into – oh, my God, this is annoying. Jonas Valanciunas had 28 points in the first half. Yeah. Now, you and I know this, that Budenholzer makes adjustments at halftime. The Bucks have had some very, very, very good third quarters. Just ask the Cavaliers. Jonas Valanciunas only had nine points in the second half. Yep. So all the there's there's still people that are like Budenholzer needs to be fired when Marjan wasn't playing after losing six pounds from being sick for two weeks and now because Jonas Valanciunas went off in the first half. No. Okay. So Marjan Bochamp still shooting with confidence in this game, which is very encouraging to see. Brooke Lopez, crazy efficient, and Giannis just going at literally everybody in transition. He does not care. You could put six guys on the floor, and Giannis will still go at you in transition. He's a dog, dude. Giannis gives no fucks in transition. Zero. He gives zero, exactly. He would probably borrow you a fuck to give because he doesn't give a fuck. He's just a freaking bulldozer, dude. He doesn't even have to bulldoze, dude. He just goes around people. I know. He's he's incredible, really. The way that he splits, like, the Pelicans had it at least twice where they had three players or more back at the free throw line, spread out, ready for Giannis to come at them, and he still splits defenders. It's insane how, how fast he can make those decisions and see that stuff. And change his direction is part of it, too, I think. Mm-hmm. how quickly he can change direction. So I had to bring that up. Pelicans, they they started moving the ball a little bit quicker in the second half. Um, they were getting faster in transition. They were moving the ball quicker. And then they were just making quicker decisions. Um, just like as soon as they catch, like either the ball was being passed or they were making their move towards the basket. They weren't like catching and facing up and sizing up the defense. They were just moving the ball a lot, and that's what helped get them back into the game. Um, the league got cut to three with a minute and a half to go, and then Drew Holiday hit a big three. And then late in the game, Wesley Matthews and Drew Holiday were guarding Zion Williamson and C.J. McCollum, and they were trying to run a pick and roll with the two or a pick and pop. And they were – it was Wesley Matthews on – McCollum and Drew on Zion, and they ran it and they just switched. Mm-hmm. To to have that ability to be able to switch those actions 
is a serious that's a serious advantage. So again, this is just another one of those things where people are like, why do we have Wesley Matthews on the team? This is exactly why we have Wesley Matthews on the team. Not to mention, I'll get into some stuff in like a, in a second here, but um, that is the exact kind of reason why we have Wesley Matthews on this team. Now, with this, um, with Ingles back, George Hill, Jordan Wara, Sergi Baca didn't play. Um, as far as the depth chart goes, I've seen a lot of people asking, who's going to play less with Joe Ingles healthy? Honestly, mm-hmm. I think it's going to be a game-by-game um, situation. It's going to be mm-hmm. dependent on the matchup. So if we play a team, say say the Warriors, for example, that could be a game where uh, some of the big guys don't play. Or say you get into a game like the Orlando Magic, like that could be another game where some of the smaller guys don't play because the Magic have a lot of size. So yep. I think it's really going to end up being matchup dependent. But mm-hmm. this game... Brooke and Giannis were both 12 of 17 from the field. Giannis was 17 of 22 from the free throw line. He finished with 42 points and 10 rebounds. Now, Brooke Lopez, who was also 4 of 9 on threes, finished with 30 points and 8 rebounds. Three of them were offensive. This was Brooke's first 30-point game since the Game 5 Atlanta Hawks game in the Eastern Conference Finals. Holy shit. Long time <laughs> I went back and looked, and I was like, I'm so happy for Brooke to get a 30 bomb. And it was the last time he had one was absolutely when it was needed. And obviously he missed a lot of time last year, so he didn't have a lot of opportunities. He played like 10 games in the regular season last year. But um, Brooke's 30, first 30-point 30 game since game five of the Eastern Conference Finals against the Hawks. Wow. All right. Drew Holiday, 18 points and 11 assists against his former team. Pat Connaughton, 11 points. And now we get into this is this is one of those things. Like the Bucks won this game. It got a little closer than it probably should have at the end. Mm-hmm. But only six missed free throws, which is huge. Mm-hmm. 22 points off turnovers and 19 second chance points. That's 47. Fundamental mm. failure points. That's a lot. Yeah. But the Bucks still won thanks to some efficiency and some smart defense. So that is good. I want to bring up really quick, um, and we can kind of just tie this into our, our recap here at the end. Uh, Joe Ingles was asked about Milwaukee, and he brought up how like perfect of a fit that it was for him and how his family is happy, his wife is happy, his kids are happy here. He brought up and – I just want to take a second to appreciate that this is our reality. He brought up that Milwaukee is a championship culture. Everybody here cares about winning a championship. He said, guys don't care about who's scoring. Guys don't care about making the playoffs or going on a run in the playoffs. He said it's championship or bust, and that's it. Ten years ago, there's not a single person who would have believed that the Bucks have a championship culture. And a title. <laughs> and a title, obviously. Yes, the yeah. championship culture helps when you have an actual championship. I mean, you can still have you can still have a good mindset, I guess I'm trying to say, without yeah. the title. I mean, you can but... you can have a competitive mindset, but right. 
you know, being competitive and having a championship are two different things. But to it's kind of bring me back to back when we were kids. He talked about Dwayne Wade, right? And when LeBron went there. And Dwayne Wade had been through the grind. So he understood what it meant, you know, to go do that. And, you know, it helped him when he was at Marquette and he he dragged that team to the Final Four. So having, you know, multiple players, the entire team, the coaching staff, all those people understand what it takes to get to that point, it makes it definitely more attractive to bring in guys like Joe Ingles who can become Mm -hmm. big-time factors. And I've talked about it for weeks, dude, but the flexibility of this goddamn roster is just – it's just stupid off the board. Stupid off the board. We play so many lineups, man. So many lineups. It's the point where – like, people are complaining why the 11th guy on the depth chart isn't playing enough. Think about that, bro. Like, Mamu could get legit minutes on, like, a, a, a Hornets team. And he oh, could be good. He yeah. could get legit minutes on a Hornets team and have good numbers. He could back up Sabonis in Sacramento and play probably 20 minutes a night. Easily. And he and he could – that might be a guy I compare him to, to be honest with you. <laughs> That's a pretty good comparison. He's got to get – he's got to get – pretty much better at passing still even though he's good at it right that's that's like the ultimate version of him left-handed and everything um but not good on defense yeah bad on defense um but we won't go there again uh bill roasted him good enough last week (laughs) (laughs) um but you know that's crazy that people are bitching about like the second to last person on the bench not playing, like what? Like that's what we're that's what we're picking to talk about. Yeah, that's where we're at. And you know, I'll say this because Chris might not make it. My vision of three all stars is still alive with Giannis, yeah. Drew, and, and Brooke. Brooke. My vision of three all stars is still alive. And you know what? You could probably make a legit argument for Bobby. I you really it. could with all the double doubles, the and big time shots. You can make a legit argument for Bobby. I'm not, he won't make it, but you can make one yeah. for him. Bill's Bill's laughing. We were still laughing too. I didn't forget, Bill. <laughs> People don't forget. <laughs> not when it's funny. All right, what stood out to you over the last week from these three games? I just love everything about this team. Um, their ability to just, you know, kind of get punked against the Grizzlies. Let's just call it what it is. We kind of got punked. Uh, the players are joining in on the wave. I'm not going to forget that either. Um, I'm kind of a – yeah, I don't know if you saw that, but I'm pretty uh, – well, Yeah, I know. Dude, I didn't even join in the wave on Monday at the game. I was like, no. Neither did I. I don't, I don't do the wave, okay? I'm not seven. Um, But then they uh, – I was going to wait, but they always do it on offense, bro. Why? Do it on defense, you fucking morons. Have another Miller Lite, you douchebags. But anyways, <laughs> I love this team's ability to just bounce back, go from giving up 142 points to under 100. I mean, the, the mindset and the mental toughness to just be like, all right, that's enough of that shit. Yeah. <laughs> we ain't getting punked no more. We about to yep. show people that we're number one, which they are, number one record in NBA. So yep. um, for all those people that were talking – I'm going to vote for Jason Tatum because he's the best player on the best team. Guess what? All those voters have to be Giannis voters now. And I saw a sick stat today that I'm going to bring up. This is a perfect moment as we're, I'm just rambling on. Uh, where is it? Right here. So 
it shows games with 30 plus points. And it shows Luca with 21, Shea with 20, Curry 16, Giannis 16, KD 16. That's the, the top three, right? And you get Mitchell, Tatum, and Bede. Then you go games played with 36 plus minutes. This is where it gets stupid. Luca has less than five, guaranteed. <laughs> Luca has 21 games with 30 minutes, right? He has 19 games playing 36 minutes. Curry or Shea has 20 games of 30 points, 14 games. Curry, 16 games, 12, 12 games over 36 minutes. So I'm going to skip Giannis real quick. KD has 16 points with 30, 30 plus points. 22 of those games, he played 36 minutes. Giannis Adetokounmpo, 16 games tied with Curry and KD and only four behind Shea and five behind Luka. Five games playing 36 minutes. Nailed it. Five. Bro, that's one-fourth of the amount of Luka. But people want to tell me that Luka's better than Giannis. And he don't play no defense. Get out of here with that. Bro, don't even I don't even want to touch defense. I'm gonna talk just offense. It took him 14 more games to get five more games of, of 30 plus points. Give Giannis 36 minutes every night. He's averaging 40. Dude, easy. Easily. 40. If Giannis played 36 minutes a night, he'd probably be averaging like 40 and 15. Think and about probably that. Probably like seven assists. And then he's giving you a couple blocks, a couple steals. He's pissing off the fans because he takes a long time at the free throw line, and he's dunking on your whole city. There's no argument, man. It's over, bro. It's not close. I don't want to hear no Luka. I don't want to hear no Tatum. I don't want to hear none of that shit. And they're all talking about, oh, they're the next wave. Giannis is 20 fucking He's 28. He's the now wave and the next wave. Ten more years of this guy abusing your team. He's and got then, easily five more years of prime left. Oh yeah, and then and then after that, even when he's out of his prime, I think he's still going to be a monster because he's big and strong. Yet you can and still find ways to. You, yeah, you can still find ways to make make him you know useful. Who says in the next five years he doesn't just um, get a deadly mid range game? I'm not I'm not counting anything out with Giannis, but when no. I saw that stat today, I was like. I don't want to hear nobody talk about Luca. I don't want to hear nobody talk about Luca. I'm not sick to mention that, that Dallas shit. is hovering around 500, bro. And then the other day, who the hell was it against? Where it might have been like four days ago at this point, but he had like a big dunk. And I just went back to when we played him, and they showed that like a hundred times, but they still lost. And I'm just like, are they amazed that he dunks, dude? Do they not know that he's six seven? Like, come on, he should be able to dunk in the NBA at six seven. It's just annoying. <laughs> All right. Anything else you wanted to throw out there about the last week of the Bucks? No, I just can't wait till they win the goddamn title so we can shut everybody up. All right. So I want to throw out some things with some role players real quick. George Hill over his last three games, just over six points, just over four rebounds, just over three assists, actually almost four assists a game, only two turnovers a game, shooting 50% from the field, 33% from the three-point line, and 100% at the free throw line. You've said it, and I agree. He's been arguably one of the most consistent players on the team this year. Yep. He's not giving you big numbers, but he's giving you consistency. Absolutely. You know what you're getting from him every night. Exactly. Grayson Allen, his last four games, he's 17 for 28 from the floor. That's 61%. Damn. Three for nine on threes, that's 33%. He's also averaging just shy of four rebounds, just over two assists. 
and has only turned the ball over three times total in the last four games. I like it. Javon Carter, his last five games, he's he's 11 of 26 from the field, which is only 42%, which isn't great. But 7 for 16 behind the three-point line, that's 44%. That is very good. <clears throat> and then um, three steals twice in that same stretch and averaging over three rebounds and only four turnovers total in those last five games. As your backup point guard, only four turnovers total in five games. Yeah. Bruh, give me that all day. Yeah, yeah I'll take that. Uh, Wesley Matthews, his last four games, he is four of six on threes. Wesley Matthews is heating up from the three-point line a little bit. And then lastly, Pat Connaughton, his last four games, he's 10 of 22 from the field. That's 45.4%. Six of 16 from three. That's just shy of 38% on threes. Averaging just shy of four rebounds. Playing good defense. Actually making some really nice passes as well. Um, so I wanted to give Pat Connaughton some credit for that. Um, yep, Tim, it's almost game time. And actually, we're almost done because the last thing I need from Jake is a record prediction at Cleveland tonight, at Brooklyn Friday, at Boston Sunday. Give me your prediction for those three games. We're wearing the blues tonight, so we're winning against the Cavs. We're beating the Nets. And we are going to go into Boston with a vengeful, vengeful attitude. And we are going 3-0 and this week. Air 5! Yeah. I also have 3-0. and I want that Boston game so fucking bad, dude. So bad I want that. Dude, Christmas Day could be fucking legit, man. Dude. Oh. So, personally, I don't think Cleveland or Brooklyn can beat the Bucks healthy. Yeah. So, like, the Bucs aren't going to have Middleton tonight, but they didn't the first two times they played Cleveland and destroyed them in the third quarters of those games. Yep. Uh, they didn't have Brooklyn the first time they played them. Uh, they didn't have Middleton. And we'll have Ingles. And then I think when it comes to Sunday, like, Chris Middleton was upgraded from out to um, doubtful for today's game, so he's probably not playing today. But the having the doubtful tag makes me optimistic that he might have a probable tag for Friday. Mm-hmm. And then even if he doesn't play Friday, that means that, in my opinion, he will be back for sure on Sunday. And we mm-hmm. all know that Chris Middleton is a noted Celtics killer. So yeah. getting Chris Middleton back for that game and actually being fully 100% healthy and hungry against Boston on Sunday for the team that knocked him out of the playoffs last year, yeah. I think the Bucs are going to be hungry for that win. And I think the Bucs are going to go 3-0 over the next week as well. Let's go, baby. I'm so ready for it. Um, Bill's question real quick before we before we sign off. Um, we get a Bucks win. We get a Packers win. Um, my daughter is now old enough this year for Christmas where she's actually going – I'm going to be able to see the joy in her face when she opens her presents. Outside, like this is a straight-up human. I'm really, really going to enjoy that part of it. So let's get some wins. Let's enjoy Christmas. Uh, we do have an episode on Friday before we do that. Yes, but we do. Yep. Yeah, I am – I'm excited. This could potentially be a great week. Um, and, Bill, you're going to want to tune in on Friday. I have a great stat about um, playoff scenarios for the Packers. All right. Anything else you want to throw out there? No, sir. Uh, go Bucks.
All also, right. thank you, Cole. Yes, I wanted. Yes, I wanted to end with that as well. Thank you again for Cole Lacrue for joining us. He was awesome. And um, thanks everybody for watching the whole thing and commenting along. We appreciate that as well. Um, Bill, you're you're the MVP. You're rising on the you're rising on the list of top fans. You and Taylor There's and Taylor are gonna have to because he comments a lot. I'm not gonna lie to you. <laughs> Bill Bill's moving up there from number one fan. He's definitely top three right now. Tim and Taylor have been around for a long time, but Bill in 2022 has really come along and, and started watching the show a lot and commenting along a lot, which we appreciate. I appreciate you, Bill. Have a great night, buddy. All right. See you on Friday. Later, bro. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.